Perhaps you have watched some of the nature shows on public television or a documentary and seen the puffer fish. When the puffer fish senses danger, it ingests a large amount of water and becomes two to four times larger in appearance, telling the predator that they're actually too small to eat the puffer fish. The puffer fish puffs itself up to fool its predator. Our scripture says, for us, knowledge puffs up. We frightened creatures try to convince others that we're smarter, that we're bigger, we're better, more significant than we actually are. Our insecure selves swell up with pride, but often we're only fooling ourselves, aren't we? The ones puffing themselves up in our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 8 believe that they have the freedom to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Now that, same, that may seem like an archaic problem, but in that day it was an ongoing problem because these were people living in a land filled with different religions. But Paul is clear what the correct theological position is. It's okay to eat the meat. There's no such thing as false gods, Paul says, which the idols represent. There's only one true and living God. So when someone sacrificed an animal to that idol, there's no real spiritual harm done that goes through the animal to contaminate a believer, which is what they were teaching. But here's the problem. Sometimes we can be theologically correct and be totally wrong. Our theological correctness sometimes leads to pride and not compassion as it ought to. The so-called strong believers were berating those who felt that their consciences were too weak to eat that meat sacrificed to idols. These so-called weak-minded or weak-faithed ones, their conscience bothered them. But where is our compassion for them? Perhaps they remembered them killing animals to appease an angry God so that every time they took a bite of meat, they remembered their false religion and were haunted by it. Perhaps it's a strength, actually, that they were open about their weakness, vulnerable about the things that they were avoiding. And perhaps that, too, is wisdom, to not open up these old wounds, to actually be kind to oneself, healthy to leave behind the demons that haunt us from the past, to abstain from meat, sacrifice to... Uh, to idols, maybe they were 
actually right to do that? Maybe it isn't a black and white issue. Maybe it depends on the care of my own soul. What is the best choice for me? The punchline to all of this is that they were free to eat the meat. It wouldn't have been wrong. But it would have been wrong for them. What Paul wants us to see is the danger of knowledge that puffs us up. Puffs up our egos to the point where we can't empathize with other people. He wants us to see how our correct theology can actually do spiritual harm to our neighbor. Can actually tear one another one down. You remember the Pharisees, don't you? They were experts in the law. They had a correct, bona fide theology. And yet, they were the most harmful that Jesus confronted in his day. They huffed and puffed themselves up, even in front of Jesus. They argued with Jesus. They tried to trip him up and entrap him in a statement that he might make. They tried to tear him down. And in the ultimate act, they actually joined the mob before Pontius Pilate and cried, crucify, crucify him. I wish I could say that such destructive attitudes and behavior and pride were a thing of the past. I wish I could say it died a long time ago with this controversy about eating meat sacrificed to idols. But sadly, it seems like this attitude and this pride is more alive than ever. Can you, I don't seem to be able to, can you read the news or watch the news without hearing someone puffing themselves up? or tearing down another person by their words and their attitude. You and I might even agree with that person, but in our heart of hearts, we know what they're doing and saying is wrong. We know that their approach is destructive. But what's even more troubling, which is what Paul is confronting, is that when we as believers and we as the church puff ourselves up and in our pride tear others down. I have a book here, big book. I promise I'd help you wake up, Deacon. <laughs> this is the book of Concord or Concordia. This is our confessional documents in German, Latin, and English. It's a triglot. These are the historic creeds and documents of our church with, what, with great precision and with exquisite faithfulness tell the truth about our Christian faith. But oftentimes we use it to hit people over the head with rather than to build people up. Last week I heard from our own denominational leaders 
kind of boast about our church. They said that there is a global respect for our theological rigor. There is a global respect for our theological rigor. And yet, our denomination is declining at an alarming rate. What our scripture is trying to remind us of as believers is that our, that our faith and our theology is not there to build up global respect. It's not there to puff ourselves up in front of others. Wouldn't you rather be known for your rigorous love for Christ and your rigorous love for all of humanity and of all of God's creation rather than our theological rigor? Jesus did not say, they will know you are my disciples by your theological prowess. He said, they will know you by your love. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. One of the powerful truths in our scripture is a counterintuitive one. Paul says that anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge. In other words, the moment we think we have everything figured out, the moment we think that we have reached Christian enlightenment, or the moment we think that we know everything, Paul says proves that we know nothing. At least nothing helpful or nothing that loves one another. How do you know when you're consulting an expert, how do you know that that person is truly an expert in their field? What kind of doctor do you want? One that thinks they know everything? Or one that knows that their field of medicine is still learning and still discovering and actually acknowledges and knows what we don't know. They will tell you that some things will forever remain a mystery, perhaps. And we see that in our world, don't we? How much more so in the truth of Christ? You and I live in the information age, so-called. You can Google anything. In three gigahertz, that is three billion calculations per second, you can have almost all the information you could ever need or want. But that is not necessarily wisdom. That will not necessarily translate love. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up, Paul says. Teddy Roosevelt said, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. 
That's what drew me here to Dix Hills, to become your pastor. Because when I visited, you told me, we are a family. We care for one another. This church has a care team ready to serve all of us. We care for one another. We care for our community. And so we are not the Mensa club. <laughs> We're not a religious club that meets weekly to re reinforce our theological correctness. We are a family. We gather for a meal around the table. We speak words of encouragement. We build one another up as sisters and brothers in Christ. We pray for one another, uplifting one another in prayer and lifting up one another in love. That is what it's all about, the love that builds up. Consider God himself. Does he need to puff himself up? All-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, and Christ, who's infinitely wise, infinitely strong and perfect and righteous, so great that even the universe cannot contain him. Christ did not puff himself up, but deflated himself. Don't take offense to it, but he actually humbled himself by becoming one of us, becoming human. He left his heavenly throne to get his feet dirty with ours in the soil and dirt of this earth. He humbled himself to the point of death, even dying on the cross. Why? To build us up, to forgive our sins, to assure us of eternal life, not to make us theologically correct, but to join him in his mission, which is to build one another up in love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.